shaping up to be a beautiful weekend in Happy Valley. The blue-white game is just a few days away as we record on a Thursday afternoon. I'm Sean Fitz. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll be joined momentarily by Tyler Donahue. want to put out an apology for our last episode. We had some audio issues. Uh, luckily, Connor Tapp from 24-7 Sports sent us a big old box of goodies that we can play with. Hopefully now we don't sound like we're underwater. Hopefully this uh, this is what does it for us, and we'll go with it. So, Tyler, welcome to the, 24/7, or the Lions 24-7 podcast. Blue-white game in a couple of days. Can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, spring camp always flies by fast because we're all excited to see these guys in the pads and the freshmen and the new starters. And then all of a sudden, you know, after Saturday, we're going to be counting down to that first week of August for our next opportunity to really you know, get a, a firm evaluation of this group. So um, Saturday, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to take it as, you know, a, a festival a festival occasion. It, it's a, you know, glorified practice. But it's important to remember we're going to get to some players here where, there is a lot on the line in finishing strong in this spring practice, you know, showing that you can uh, take what you learned during all these practice sessions, there'll be 15 of them in total, and apply it here with a bit of a crowd, some pressure on the line, and, and I think certain guys have more to gain than others. I think so, but I also think that, uh, and I kind of, we talked about this last week, James Franklin kind of said the same thing on Wednesday night, is you've got 15 practices. The blue-white game is a very, very small part of spring ball. I mean, you're going to have guys that stand out, and you're going to have guys that make plays, and you're also going to have guys that you'll probably never hear again uh, make plays. So that's kind of cool to watch, but at the same time, from an evaluation standpoint, there's really not a ton that you're going to take away from the blue-white game and just carry over into August or September. Now, you've got guys with opportunity. There's no doubt about that. And we see mostly backups, young guys and all that. And, and granted, where Penn State's roster is right now, that's, that's kind of what you want to see when you're out there. Um, but th- there's certainly a bunch of guys that, that have plenty to gain. I think we'll start off with our, with our players to watch. And, and, and I think it all starts at quarterback. Not going to see Tommy Stevens in all likelihood. So Sean Clifford has, has gotten most of the reps this spring, split time with Will Levis. And I'm excited to see both those guys uh, f- basically for the first time on Saturday. And expecting a, a large dose of both Sean Clifford and Will Levis in this game. Um, you know, Sean Clifford available to the media after practice on Wednesday, and he's all in on this competition. You know, saying all the right things, but you know, also being that guy that he professes to be the most competitive player in the locker room. That's who he says he is, and and you know, the reports from Franklin and his teammates indicate that. So he's the right guy you want in a quarterback battle. Um, of course, Tommy Stevens will be watching the action again. Um, but you know, I think considering Stevens' absence and then you know how fresh those two uh, quarterbacks and, and, and Roberson and Johnson are to campus just a few months, doubt we'll see them extensively. So going to get a long look here, and I think the guy that may you know walk away from this thing having more buzz than he did coming into spring camp is Will Levis. Levis is a guy, I'm not sure I've been intrigued to see a quarterback at Penn State in the last couple of years as much as I am at Will Levis. I don't think he's going to contend for the starting job this year, but I think he just got a, he has enough tools where you're so curious about what he brings to the table. Just has an absolutely huge arm, uh, big-time athlete, uh, just a huge kid, and he's so he's got tools in all these sorts of places you're just not sure how he puts it together uh curious to see him run as well as the young kids Daquan Roberson and Michael Michael Johnson Jr. both slated to get some time on Saturday as well so we'll see what they've got there I think we've got a pretty good idea of what they bring to the table as prospects Roberson the better passer Johnson the better athlete but we'll see what uh I guess it's our first glimpse of how these guys can transfer over their skill sets to the next level yeah and uh you know in terms of quarterback play you know, you're obviously going to be interested in the rest of that backfield. You know, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown have been the talk of the town. 
uh, as the emerging, um, you know, replacements for Miles Sanders. Maybe they'll do it in tandem. Maybe one guy will, will, will take the, the bulk of those reps. But lurking in the background on campus since January is Noah Kane. Uh, and, you know, the, it's been positive feedback for him. He's a guy who Jaywan Sider said last week will play um, and this season. So to what extent, we don't know. But uh, you'd have to imagine there's going to be a lot of fans in the audience and, and, and at home watching that on the replay at night who are going to be locked in on that backfield because that is, you know, the question, is it going to be another star stepping up? Is it going to be a group of guys? And, and you and I both know, especially at the top of that depth chart, Journey Brown, Ricky Slade with their speed, agility, either one of them could come up with one of those nice highlights, you know, 80 yard dash or something of that nature uh, that, that could really stand with a lot of people into the off season and generate some excitement out there. And we're forgetting potential blue-white game MVP Nick Yuri, uh, walk-on from Northeast PA. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see Kane. It's a numbers game there. I mean, they've only got five running backs, so you're going to see a lot of a bunch of those guys. I don't know that, that they throw too much at Ricky Slade or Journey Brown, but they want to see what they've got in those younger guys and, and sort of go from there. At receiver, it's kind of the same deal. You don't have a ton of receivers on this team. Uh, you know, what, six scholarship guys right now, uh, that's... Uh, uh, that's that's a tough number, and that's going to grow for the season, obviously, with two freshmen and two grad transfers coming in. But for the spring game, you're, you're talking about the buzz here, finding the, the third guy behind K.J. Hamler and Jahan Dotson. Justin Shorter seems to be shaping up to be that guy. For me, I'm really curious to see Dan Chisena. I mean, this is a guy that you know we've followed since high school as a track guy, and he came to Penn State, and the story is great and everything like that. But I do think that he can break through and, and get some reps. I don't know that he's going to be a go-to two guy anytime soon but he's going to probably beat somebody deep on Saturday and make some people do a double take with his speed yeah maybe I'll counter your uh Nick Yuri MVP with the uh, Dan Chisena uh, MVP and this is a guy um who has you know James Franklin has made it a point to to, to indicate that he's made progress and he's somebody that really could be a factor here and you know, last year, Matt Kippenhammer went out there and, and kind of took the spotlight, catching a couple of touchdowns as a wide receiver. Didn't really see that translate over the course of the 2018 season. But, you know, this, there's just not a lot of proven commodities back there. So a good day on the practice field, a good day in Beaver Stadium on a Saturday is a step in the right direction because beyond Dotson and Hamler, we just don't know how this gets sorted out. I think, you know, a, a, a strong confidence-boosting performance for Justin Shorter could mean more than just your average practice, the other 14 practices, to do it in front of this state, uh, in front of the home crowd. Uh, he knows full well what the expectations are for him, the way he came in as a recruit, and not really getting an opportunity to show that uh, during his first year on campus. You know, this would be a nice spotlight performance for him. And, and based on what we see in practice, uh, he sure looks like he's on the right track. I think so, and and we've seen some big plays from him, and I think uh, continues to as he continues to assert himself. I think he'll be fine. Um, we'll see what uh, see what comes in the next couple of months, but I think he'll be. I think he's be the third guy right now. If you're talking about starting against Idaho right now, Daniel George also you know doing some nice things as well. Tight end, not going to spend a ton of time on. We we know what you're going to get at tight end with Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers being that one two punch, and then there's the gap between the other guys. I'm interested to see for the first time Zach Koontz. Uh, you know, of course he he played a little little bit last year shook loose for a gain I think against Kent State before Daniel George's touchdown um, but to, no he's just an athletic uh, freak when you take into account he's six seven and a half I mean he can do a lot of things that that guys that size shouldn't do he's not I don't think he's ready yet I don't think he's probably close to being ready unless he's a situational guy still has some time to to put some weight on and and continue to embrace the physicality of the game so we'll see what happens with Zach Koontz I'm excited to see him and of course Brenton Strange is there as well 
yeah, the scenario couldn't be much different than tight end last spring game when you know the starter was essentially unknown. Jonathan Holland was getting buzzed. Danny Dalton had a great spring game last year, and now he's out of the program. One guy we didn't see last year was Zach Koontz, who had been on campus for just a few months. And I, and you're right, I think just as much intrigue as, as there will be in watching him, you know, work his way downfield at six foot seven, uh, is going to be who's countering him, who's defending him, how are they handling that duty? Because you're going to encounter guys like this who are just irregular matchup nightmares over the course of your season. Who's going to be the guy you can turn to in that situation? Is it a Cam Brown? Is it Garrett Taylor? Um, I think that's interesting. And you mentioned Brenton Strange. We'll see if he carries that momentum. You know, uh, Pat Fryermuth, um, the early indications were good. Same from James Franklin. And you'd have to imagine he'll get his fair share of reps during the course of this game. Yeah, and moving on to the offensive line, I, I think there's plenty of questions there still. I mean, you, you're really not sure what this group's going to bring as a whole. I thought James Franklin made some interesting points. I mean, points that we've made before, but uh, Penn State's going to play probably three tackles, probably three guards, and and sort of rotate some of those guys through there. We didn't see Mike Miranda on the practice field this week, um, which makes me think that it, we're probably not going to see him on Saturday. So a lot of C.J. Thorpe this week. Um, and, and Des Holmes is a guy that I have circled as well because he's a guy that, uh, you know, they liked his progress early on, moved him to guard when, when Thorpe went over to, uh, to defensive tackle, and then they moved him back to, uh, to, to tackle for the spring. Is he that third guy? Is Anthony Wiggin that third guy? Going to be a lot of eyes on that, that second-team offensive line, I think, this week because you've got a pretty good idea of where you're at. I think Rasheed Walker is a pretty firm hold on that left tackle spot. Will Fry's on the right side. But finding that third guy, I think, is going to be of paramount importance. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Des Holmes and see what he can do. Yeah, and Penn State has needed that third tackle you know, during recent seasons to, to help them, keep them afloat or put a Band-Aid on things. So you're going to need to find out who that is for you. And you know, we're talking about a third tackle. You know, we got a first-year starter who hasn't proven anything in a game yet, and Rasheed Walker beyond limited reps last year in four appearances. So he's another guy where I think Saturday setting is just a little bit different, and I think you can take away a little bit more from your average practice. If he was on campus for four years already, that's one thing. Uh, but he's being asked to be your first-team left tackle. There's a lot going to be going on in his mind, and he's probably slowed it down a lot over the course of the spring. But now you throw him in a stadium – it's a nice day. We're thinking, what, 70,000-plus maybe in attendance. There's going to be a lot more moving parts around him, and I just I think that's going to be a good challenge mentally, and he's going to need to be engaged, locked in, because if your left tackle is not ready to play with a first-year starting quarterback and a first-year starting running back, that spells disaster. So he's the guy I'm really going to be focused in on. And you see the value of a guy like Juice Scruggs, who you know Penn State's been out with uh, or has, has been without all spring because he would have been in that mix there too. Finding five interior guys with course with, with Gonzo and Mennon in there would have been really big for Penn state entering the season. But right now it's uh it's kind of up in the air with that, with the Scruggs injury, moving to the defensive line, a guy you love, uh, a guy that Sean Spencer obviously loved. We talked to Spence uh, after practice on Wednesday night, Jason always doing some good things. He's starting to, you know, turn that corner. And that's, we, we know about his athleticism. We know about his size and everything like that, but, it's about making plays, and he started to do that somewhat. Yeah, now I think the the way Spencer pretty much described it was Jason got to campus, and you know it was kind of it took a second for everything he was doing physically to match what he's doing mentally, and he's still so new to football, and and, and you love the raw athleticism, you hope the kid would explode. It sounds like he has taken that turn and and, and gone gone off with that explosion, launched himself into contention to be a player, uh, part of this mix, and, and too deep guy. 
Um, we've seen a lot of him on the practice field, which is certainly a change from what he encountered last year as a freshman. And 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 he's the guy that I think a lot of people are going to be watching because the, the words out on his, on him, even if you weren't a recruiting follower, you've heard by now what Jason Away was all about as a prospect, and people want to see him uh, put that into action. Got a glimpse against Kent State last year. Uh, but he should have expansive reps here. Also on the defensive line, the guy I'll be looking at, because we've heard so many good things about him, is Shaka Tony. You know, we'll see how much of a look we get. He's a fourth-year guy. How much will he be out there on the field? Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see, and, and he'll challenge those tackles. But, you know, he as a guy that we keep hearing has really made that move and could be ready for a breakout season. Sean Spencer thinks that Daniel Joseph could be on the verge as well, and if they can get something out of him, I think that would go a long way because I think this defensive line group is a, is a really good group. Uh, moving to linebacker, and, and it's kind of funny because you probably know exactly what to expect at linebacker. You're probably going to go J, uh, Cam Brown, Jan Johnson, and Micah Parsons, a guy that I'm really interested in. Played special teams last year, burned his red shirt, but Jesse Lucetta is uh, coming back. He's playing some will. We saw him uh, you know, on, on Wednesday in a little bit uh, paired up with Ellis Brooks. That should probably be the, the combination on Saturday. Um, he looks the part, no doubt about it, but he's kind of like uh, Jason in, in a sense that this is a kid that needs reps and he should benefit from from getting out there and seeing some live action on Saturday. And just like Jason, I think uh, it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. He's going to work his way to the field on defense this year, uh, and it's not just going to be for mop-up duty or anything. These guys are going to be have roles within this scheme, and, and, and you're on track with Lucetta. He's the guy I've, I've always been excited about. I'm just going to go with the obvious choice here, Micah Parsons, because when we had a chance to talk to him on Tuesday morning, and, and you all will get a chance to hear some audio from that conversation in a few minutes, he told us he was going to go out there and show that he's faster, physically faster, but also faster because the hesitancy is gone. He's been there before at linebacker, and he says we're going to see a Micah Parsons who essentially has things put together and is ready to start his ascension to becoming the best linebacker in the country. That doesn't make you excited to see number 11 out there. Um, I don't know what does, but trust me, I know one thing about Micah's performance on Saturday. He's going to get a lot fewer snaps, I would imagine, than what he got last spring as a true freshman. I would definitely agree with that, and I—it's all about processing for Micah. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a guy that the athletic gifts are tremendous. We have not seen too many players that have come through like that, but uh, you know, his ability to process will be huge. Playing that will spot, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see he and Cam Brown on the field at, at the same time because I think they can be a a really good duo when Penn State goes into that star package or goes into a nickel or a traditional or anything like that. So it's uh, he's definitely one one of those guys to watch. A couple of guys that have been paired up in the in the defensive backfield and Penn State. We haven't seen Penn State starting corners a lot this year. Uh, Tariq Castro Fields and, and Jordan, uh, excuse me, John Reed seem to be uh, taking it easy pretty well, uh, pretty much. Uh, but Marquise Wilson and Keaton Ellis, two freshmen, January enrollees, and sure you've got Trent Gordon there, who we've talked we've talked a lot about on the podcast, and you've got DJ Brown as well. But Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson just keep coming up. And, and James Franklin said it on Wednesday that Wilson had two picks in the in the Wednesday practice session. So these guys seem to be making plays, and and it seems to be like they've they've got a real shot at seeing the field this fall. Yeah, I feel like we haven't gone, you know, consecutive media sessions during spring camp without hearing both of their names come up. And, and we got a glimpse of Keaton Ellis with an acrobatic interception back in March. And, um, you know, KJ Handler lauded both of these players, especially a Keaton Ellis in terms of, uh, you know, not just being a fast cornerback, but a guy who's really good at anticipating a receiver's next move. So, um, you know, these guys are off to a great start. And, and based on what you said, you know, Reed, Castro Fields, not a lot of question marks there. They've played a ton of Big Ten games between the two of them. 
Uh, these two guys should have every opportunity in the world, and you know how important these wide receiver cornerback matchups are going to be during the game. Every one of these wide receivers, essentially outside of Hamler and Dotson, should be competing every practice, including Saturday, like they're chasing after the starting job because it's that wide open. So it should be really good competition on the outside. Moving on to safety, everybody. Next <laughs> next topic. Uh, interested to see the coaches, uh, the coaching style, Jared Parker. We've heard a lot of good things about how the, res- the receivers have responded to him, and, and we've seen some some videos and some stuff, and he seems to be a, a bit more outgoing than David Corley was. I don't know if that's possible, but uh, he, he seems to be, have been embraced so far, and, and excited to see this because when you when you take a coaching change like that and, and players get attached to coaches every year, I mean, it's, not, it's nothing different. So when David Corley left, of course, you know, the coach, uh, the receivers are thinking all right what's next not sure what's going to happen he seems to have been embraced and it's kind of a clean slate with those guys you 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 got rid of the older guys that had had trouble with the drops you've got a lot of those younger guys that have made plays kj hamler jahan dotson are the two that we continue to go back to but sort of a clean slate for everybody forget about the drops forget about everything and we'll see if that carries over yeah these position rooms are your home away from home as a student athlete you know you're you're eating with these guys you're training with these guys you're challenging these guys and and if the mood in that room is lacking, and I think, quite frankly, last year we saw it uh, deteriorate over the course of the year, it, it's not easy to go to work every day. It's not easy to put that work in. Um, and, and I think right now, you know, there's a lot of good attitude, good vibes coming from that group. Now, won't matter at all if, if, they, if they're not consistently catching passes and making plays downfield. But I think right now there has been a bit of a reset, reboot in the attitude in that group. And, um, you know, the positive, positive feedback from players, from prospects. We, we played that clip last, last show from Jaden Dotton, the, the target. And then at special teams with Joe Lorig, um, I, I believe that, that Franklin really made it a point on Wednesday this week to say it wasn't so much of a schematic thing on special teams that they were changing. It was more of a wholesale mindset on the way the entire roster approaches special teams. And again, I think that's another indication that Joe Lorig is going to very really, you know, proudly carry that flag as the special teams uh, guy on the, you know, he, he is, he is in charge of it and he's going to, you know, basically form it in, in, and what's worked for him in the past. And I just think he has a lot of autonomy in that role based on what you kind of hear. One of the best things we saw at practice this week, uh, Jake Pinnegar finished the session. He had a 40 or 45 yard or something like that, but it had actual trajectory on it. It got in the air, and that was uh, a big thing if you watch Penn State, uh, the kicking game at the end of the season last year. As you mentioned, Micah Parsons, we got him for the first time um, you know, as a, as a, as a group. Uh, this week, he had a conference call, and of course, with, with it being Micah, you know Micah is Micah, and said some some pretty cool things. Like right now, I'm, I'm sitting at around six, three and a half, I'm almost, I'm like 245, almost 250. Like, you know, I'm, I'm lean, I'm healthy. Like, my body's looking fresh. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, they're gonna see me much faster this year. I look a lot faster on film because I'm not hesitating. I'm not nervous. Um, I'm playing like I've been here before. And that was a point that Micah Parsons made about that speed. He says, look for that in the spring game. His hesitancy is gone. Uh, he knows where he needs to be on the field. And he also said it's a common theme for this defense, Sean, is not just him, but he feels like position by position, they are the fastest they've been, certainly since he's been there. And he went as far to say as, as fans will see 
from a Penn State defense. So obviously he's raising the bar. He's always raised the bar for himself. And uh, a big part of that, you know, he's, he's had the bravado. He's had a lot of self-confidence. And, and when that kind of meshed with his, with his recruitment, Sean, as you well know, um, you know, there were some controversial moments. You go back and, and you look at this is a kid who got an offer from James Franklin way back during Franklin's first season at Penn State in 2014. Parsons commits to Penn State as a sophomore, decommits as a junior one day after attending the 2017 spring game, and then spends his senior year exploring options. He took visits to Alabama, Georgia, Nebraska, Ohio State, Oklahoma during this thing. And, um, you know, he actually had some very strong self-awareness 15 months later after signing about the process in his eyes in the rearview mirror. Here's what he had to say. You know, it's probably bizarre for the coaches, bizarre for my family because my dad didn't know where I was going. My mom didn't know where I was going. So it was all bizarre. And then, you know, my mom gave me her input. My dad gave me his input. And, you know, it was bizarre between the family discussion. And then we all just had a mutual agreement on Penn State. So it was bizarre all the way up. Like, even the night before, like, I didn't know whether it was going to be Oklahoma or Georgia because Georgia was obviously my last visit and Oklahoma was texting me, calling me right before my commitment. But, you know, uh, I kind of made a family business decision and it turned out to be a really good decision. Bizarre is a great word to describe his recruitment, and he kind of left out that it was bizarre for the people covering it as well. So, Tyler, I know you were part of that group. Um, but, yeah, I mean, big big win for James Franklin. Uh, it was just one of those things where you got to give it time. He came, uh, you know, he was obviously five-star stud. Everybody wanted him. Um, some, I think some kind of concerns were out there, not with talent or anything like that, and several schools kind of were hot and cold on him. Penn State, I think, was even one of those schools that was kind of hot and cold, and then it came back around. Uh, I think James Franklin and him sat down, had a, a pretty good talk at some point late in his recruitment, and it kind of was apparent to both sides that they could really help each other out and be you know, exactly what other people needed. Yeah, and his father said, I remember we were both at the All-American Jersey presentation, which was really in the center of a lot of uh, speculation about this recruitment um, during his senior season. And his father said, you know, one thing is, you know, no, no matter where it went with Penn State, communication was never cut off. They were keeping Franklin in the loop. Franklin would make sure that they knew that he was still keeping tabs on the situation. But I think, you know, needed some space apart, apparently, because ultimately, uh, as he said, uh, it was it turned out to be a great decision for him. And, and I think a key with Parsons was always going to be what staff was he going to end up with and, and, and how would they, you know, cultivate uh, him from, from point A to point B. And, and obviously, when you're talking about a transition to a new position for Parsons as a freshman, you know, Brent Pry being the defensive coordinator, working with the linebacker on a day-to-day basis was the obvious uh, you know, person who was going to be most impactful with Parsons. And what stood out to me from this 23-minute conversation we had with Micah, maybe more than anything because there was emotion evident in his voice, as you'll hear in a second, his thoughts on Brent Pry and the relationship that they have established in less than two years. He's like a father figure to me. Like, I don't know where I would be without Coach Pry. After everything that we made through during the recruiting process, uh, he stayed by my side. He keeps me grounded, you know. I love how he doesn't accept um, nothing but the best of me. So that really pushes me to be greater. He wants every little thing to be perfection. Like, he talks to me, like, you want to be great, this is what you have to do. And, you know, having a person like that in your corner is a lot, means a lot because, you know, if you don't have that motivation and that father figure coach, then you don't have your determination. And he gives me a purpose, obviously, to prove to him that I could be great for him and, you know, prove to myself that I could be great 
uh, by using using everything he teaches me to become a better linebacker and a football player. Very clearly, uh, Brent Pry and Micah Parsons have learned to live with each other and learn to thrive off of each other. And, and we'll get to see that. You know, this Saturday will be our, our, our first helping, but obviously big things expected this season for Micah Parsons, that entire defensive group. And uh, very curious to see the strides he will make. And Parsons, we learned in the last week, will have a, a new teammate, uh, a veteran in the college football ranks, but from the Division II level, a guy that, that Sean has been all over in terms of uh, uh, speaking with during his visit to campus and eventually committing to Penn State, and that's Weston Carr. Uh, Sean, you had a chance to, ch- uh, to chat with him very recently following that commitment. Well, I don't know about all over him. He is a married man, so I'll, I'll back off from there. But I did sit down with Weston Carr uh, earlier this week to talk a little bit about what he brings to Penn State because you, you get a you get a sense of what a grad transfer, uh, or excuse me, a, a player or a prospect or something. It's easy to talk to those guys, but grad transfers kind of all over the market because you don't know really what to expect. So really got a, a good chance to sit down with Weston. He was great, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Now we bring in the newest Nittany Lion, Weston Carr, coming to us from the West Coast. Weston, congratulations on your decision. What went into picking Penn State for you? Uh, a lot of it was just the culture. Um, I, I've already known that, that Penn State's had a, one of the best cultures in college football and um, have one of the best uh, I mean, coaching staff. I mean, you can, you can see it from not even being in, on the team, but you can just see it uh, from news coverages and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, just being able to visit, see the guys, see the, see the team, meet some other coaches, see how practices run, um, it all just felt right. We talked about this a little last week uh, in our interview, but how did you get from, hey, I'm going to you know, explore my options as a grad transfer and, and even beyond that? I mean, wh- why decide to grad transfer and how did Penn State come into the, to, into the picture for you? Um, so I, I decided to grad transfer because um, after, after injuring uh, myself last season, um, a lot of scouts thought I should uh, grad transfer instead of coming out uh, for the NFL um, and see how it how to shape up at, at the next level, at the D1 level. Um, and me and my dad hired, hired a guy to get my tape around. Um, it eventually made its way to Penn State, and they, they took a lot of interest in it um, and then saw that I could be a big contributor on the team. Okay. So you heard from Coach Jared Parker. What kind of stuff did they have to say as far as fitting in? Because right now you're looking, you know, of course you're looking at grad school and all this kind of stuff, but let's be honest here. You're looking to go somewhere where you can get your name out there, catch a lot of balls. I mean, how did yeah. they sell you on you coming in and fitting in and, and being a productive guy for them? Yeah. Um, I mean, they obviously had a few guys transfer and graduate and, and receiver. They're, they're just a bit thin right now. Um, definitely have some good players, but um, I think they just lack the depth and uh, the experience that they want in the receiver room right now, which is why I think they're they're exploring uh, graduate transfers. Okay. Um, you came in for the official visit a couple of weeks ago. What did you see from Penn State that, that really opened your eyes? Uh, for me, I just went in there basically just seeing can I compete at that level, uh, watching practice. Uh, <laughs> I was actually getting kind of antsy because I was trying to get out there and and throw my cleats on, um, <laughs> but not allowed to do that. But I mean, I, I saw that uh, the coaches were genuine. They were, um, and and I basically saw an opportunity that that I that I believe I can compete there. From the from the little that you've seen from them, what's the difference between that level and and what you're used to in terms of just preparation and meetings and all that kind of stuff? How how big of a jump do you t- for this foresee this being? Um, I, I don't 
I don't see it as too big of a jump. I mean, obviously, uh, size and speed are definitely a big factor uh, between these two levels and um, exposure too. Um, but but seeing my brother go through this whole entire process in college football and now in the NFL, um, it's kind of prepared me to, to see what it takes to, to play at that level. Is it too early to talk expectations for next year? I mean, what, you arrived this summer, presumably. Um, what kind of expectations do you have for yourself? And do, can you put a number on catches or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I can't say that right now. Uh, it's probably too early. But I, I definitely, my goal is to, to come in and, and contribute in the biggest way possible that I can uh, for Penn State. Have you hit it off with anybody? Have you talked to any of your future teammates, or have you stayed in touch? Obviously, you stayed in touch with the coaches. But is there anybody that Penn State really stands out to you that uh, is somebody that opened your eyes to them? Yeah, I mean, on my visit, um, I was able to get dinner with uh, with Tommy Stevens and Sean Clifford and KJ Hamler, um, and they were all very encouraging and supportive. Um, basically, just telling me a lot about the team, uh, what it's like to play there. Um, and, and yeah, we're very encouraging about me coming and playing with them. How does that interaction go with someone like Hamler? Obviously, you know they they know that they're short on numbers. They know that they could use some experience, some talent, and everything like that. But obviously, somebody's coming to maybe try and take some catches away from them. How does that how does that interaction go with those receivers? Um, I mean, I, I I would say it it seemed more that um, me 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 coming in or, or another receiver in, in that in that sense um, being able to perform well opens up things for KJ and KJ perform well can open up things for other receivers as well. And the run game too, um, and so I don't think it's it's a it's a one receiver um, you know trying to dominate and take everything. Um, I think there's definitely opportunities when when more people perform well, uh, more opportunities up and up uh, across the field. You're from a long way away. What was Penn State like versus your expectations of what you've heard about them? And I guess what what did you know about them, or what did you expect uh, from them before you got out here? Um, I mean, I. I I didn't really expect too much, um, other other than being a, a top um, elite college football program, and, and I definitely saw that on my visit. Um, Happy Valley definitely seems like a great place with a very very uh, uh, supportive atmosphere of the football team, and so that was that was really cool to see. Have you caught any of the whiteouts or anything like that uh, to to give you an idea of what to expect next year? Uh, no, not not too much yet. Okay, anything you uh, you want to add for Penn State fans? Uh, I mean, I'm just excited to get out there and meet some of the some of the Nittany <laughs> Nation. Uh, but yeah, no, that's I'm just, I'm just excited to come out and, and and contribute and play. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Weston. Really appreciate the time and and best of luck until your arrival. Thanks so much. Good stuff there from Weston. Uh, always great to sit down with future Nittany Lions. He's no ex- uh, no exception there. Moving on to recruiting, uh, it, I would call this a busy weekend. I wouldn't call it a huge weekend, g- considering what we've come to expect from blue-white weekends in the last uh, couple of years. But it's just a, a numbers game, really. You've got, uh, with Easter next weekend, schools have changed all of their uh, their spring schedules. So you've got you know Alabama, Florida, I think Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, all having their spring game this weekend. It's going to be very crowded. You're going to see a lot of familiar names. I mean, uh, Julian Fleming is going to be at Bama. Brian Bressey is going to be at Oklahoma, just all over the place this weekend. So um, 
the visitor list, taking a look at it, probably not as strong as you've been, you've come accustomed to. Uh, still going to start it off with a five-star in, in linebacker Antoine Sampa out of Virginia. This is a kid that Penn State has needed to get back on campus, and those Woodbridge kids always do seem to get back on campus. They've offered a couple of them. Of course, his teammate R.J. Adams is coming up, a guy that we're watching pretty closely uh, you know, to, to potentially join in Penn State's class. And then James Gillespie, a 2021 defensive tackle, uh, who is offered as well. But getting Sampa back on campus, getting him comfortable, I think, of parents Paramount importance this weekend. You've got Alabama and Clemson, I think, at the top of his list right now. Penn State, he's been up there a bunch, but they just need to do more than stick around. They, I think they need to make a statement this weekend. Yeah, and, and what this weekend is going to be very much about is uh, guys who are already committed. You know, this is a, a nice class taking shape comparatively to, to last year when they entered this game with two guys committed to their 2019 class. They've got six players on board. There's going to be a nice showing. Derek Wingo saying he's making the trip up from South Florida for this one. So that shows you the extent. A lot of peer recruiting, and, and, and to me, Antoine is the kind of guy that you want to surround, get him a really good feel for, for what this class is about, uh, you know, who they're looking for to to team up with and you know that's something that'll be going on in the bleachers you know at the at the lunch table before this game um but you know, very notably as we continue this list there's not going to be any official visitors on campus and sean you reported that early in the week uh james franklin confirming that wednesday after practice and that is a different approach than what we've seen uh you know in the one year of this of this current structure where penn state pretty much dove in head first last year uh, took on the official visitors there were a ton of them and i think ultimately last last year that weekend proved to be very beneficial to them late spring it helped really you know get momentum rolling but uh, at the same time it was a massive massive logistical undertaking for James Franklin his staff everyone involved with the process and it sounds like when they weighed the pros and cons of things they just felt like they were better off distancing themselves from official visits on this particular weekend. Yeah, these uh, the spring official visits and the summer official visits have been kind of a trial and error thing. That's something that they've wanted to do is is run some numbers, figure out what other schools have done and who was successful, who wasn't successful. One thing that Franklin said on Wednesday night that I really took away is, hey, it's so far from signing day right now. And they kind of got burnt a couple times last year by bringing some kids in early and then kind of fading away in the process. I think ideally you'd like to bring them in for games in the fall and that's something that really hasn't changed much because that's your biggest uh, pitch for those guys down the stretch so you know they had Tyler Rudolph and Marquise Wilson and Devin Ford and and guys for guys like Devin Ford I mean you kind of have to because the this is a guy that was going to decide I think in May and then he wanted to take his trips to get him out of the way now you don't really see a ton of guys like that and and, and if not I mean now till June 22nd or 23rd, whenever that dead period starts, really isn't that long. So it's uh, it's a matter of, of finding out the best practice and going with that. They, they wiped out official visitors, which is going to cost them getting some guys up on campus from Florida and Georgia and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's one thing. But I think in the in the end, I think having those June weekends or having those uh, season weekends is probably something that's going to be- can benefit them even more. And last year, first weekend of June was a big one for them. That's when Dunmore made the trip. That's when they had a bunch of guys like Brand Smith and and Devin Ford back in town to kind of you know circle the wagons and, and build that recruiting class. And and I think when you look at you know moving ahead, um, you know it, it is going to come fast. And just I was at that camp on Sunday in New Jersey, the the opening, and a lot of these guys, you know, they're saying they're going to use official visits, but they're not sure when and I'm thinking well you know it's going to go fast you, you know you're going to want to schedule these things out and I don't know if it's because more teams are, are taking Penn State's approach or prospects in this class 
aren't investing as many official visits in the spring, but it just seems to be fewer and far further between. Uh, last year, it just seemed like um, there was a lot of guys using a ton of official visits during the spring. Penn State getting more guys on campus, but you know, Penn State's not the first team, uh, you know, to, to question how it wants to use these things in the spring. You know, Dabo Sweeney last year for Clemson, you know, shut the door on spring official visits, and that's the stance he took from the get go. So I think very much like the early signing period, it, it's it's a case by case basis based on program and staff and you know again this is the second year of this thing and and recruiting is such a big beast I'm not surprised to see you know pretty significant change implemented here by Penn State 10 official visitors at the blue white game last year they signed three of them so I mean that's not exactly the hit rate that you're gonna you know fall in love with so um, it was tough uh, tough decision I'm sure but I think the staff is happy for that I mean anytime that you can take that off of your plate. Franklin mentioned on Wednesday night that they've got a, uh, a post-game barbecue, which they usually do with all the families of the players and things like that. And I think Zach McPherson committed at one a couple of years ago, but it's one of those things where you don't really know the best practice until, until it happens. And I think this is, this is probably a good way to go. And like I said, June will be bigger for them. And of course the games in the fall. So we'll see what happens with that. Beyond that, you've got some uh, some key visitors in the 2019 class. Theo Johnson's coming back. He's been on campus a bunch. He was most recently on campus at the start of spring ball. Uh, Penn State, Michigan, Georgia, all involved heavily here. Penn State was the first uh, of those schools to get in on him. Um, he told us some cool stuff about his recruitment. Uh, uh, just Penn State has been on him longer and, and I think harder than anybody else. And I think that's one thing that can, can eventually pay off the distance for, for him in Michigan. He's only right across the border in, in Windsor, Canada. Uh, Windsor, Ontario, sorry, uh, just uh, 30, 45 minutes away from Ann Arbor. So that's one thing. And then the Georgia relationships have been another thing. But Penn State has stayed on him. Tyler Bowen, James Franklin have done uh, done a pretty good job recruiting. And as you reported earlier, Sean, Theo Johnson's going to be back at Beaver Stadium for the whiteout game this year against Michigan. So, you know, a guy who's certainly making sure that Penn State uh, is well attended to during the course of his recruitment. I know a lot of people would love to see him get in this class, uh, but you know, stay in the course. I think you're right. I think there's there's a good thing brewing, and, and for him to make these plans so far out in advance consistently is a good sign. Cole Brevard, uh, defensive tackle from the Indian, Indianapolis area. Excuse me. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that Penn State's been watching very closely. They, he was on campus in the spring, and he's going to you know get back for this game and probably for an official visit in the summer. So another one where Penn State has an opportunity to make. Uh, I think they I think they lead right now, and I think they have an opportunity to extend their lead. Yeah, a few interesting defensive line prospects coming to campus this weekend, and, and that's a, obviously a positional group that they're still looking to build upon and, and, and get get going in the 2020 cycle. Uh, one that stands out at a St. Joe's Regional in Montvale, New Jersey, Amin Vanover. Uh, um, you know, this is a guy who's considered a four-star in the composite, um, and and six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. This is a school you went to last year as a Penn State staff and got a player in the defensive line. You'd like to be able to build upon that and, and make it two for two in back-to-back cycles. And then uh, Zariah Fisher, a guy who's six foot three, approaching two hundred and thirty pounds, uh, got an offer fairly recently as an in-state player at Alakippa, and, and and I think you know he's a guy who's not going to blow you away when you go look at his rankings right now in his twenty-four-seven sports pro. Profile, but I think there's a lot to like about his potential progression as an edge rusher, uh, expanding upon the frame that he already has in place. Yeah, I think we have him rated as, an, as a linebacker, and he's gonna he's gonna go past that. I mean, he's six two and a half, six three, two hundred forty some pounds right now. So his chances of staying at linebacker are about as good as Nick Tarburton's were. 
So uh, beyond that, I mean, it's just it, it's not an it's not a visitor list that's going to blow you away. And I and I've, and I've been looking at visitor lists all over the place, and they're kind of hit and miss. North Carolina's having theirs this weekend. That's you know with their new coach bump, it's it's impacted things. West Virginia, Pitt, uh, and of course Virginia Tech in the in the region are having theirs as well. So it's not going to be a list that blows you away. Uh, of course, that takes down the chances of a, of a commitment or something like that. So um, it's just uh, it's one of those things that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. Also welcoming in 2021, Derek Davis, uh, Quan Williams, 2020, uh from from uh, McDonough down in Maryland, where Penn State's got that pipeline going. So a lot of quality prospects. We're still confirming them uh, on lines 24/7. So check that out. Check out our list. Um, but it's just it's it's not the list that's going to blow you away. Yeah, and and so you know. When you think about last year's list, you know, a lot of those visitors will be well represented, but they will not be recruits this time. Uh, you know, Sean, we see it every year at this event. It's a really cool moment before the game. They bring on all the, the signees, whether they're, you know, in uniform and already enrolled or, or guys who are just up for the day and won't get to campus until the summer. They assemble at midfield and one by one, uh, they're called over the, uh, over the uh, PA announcer and, and, and everyone in the crowd, you know, gets to welcome them officially to the Penn State community. And, and I know one of those guys who's really looking forward to that moment in particular is Devin Ford running back who's going to join an interesting backfield that already features uh, the likes of Noah Kane and, and Journey Brown and Ricky Slade and, and he said you know he is really kind of bittersweet because he wishes he was out there in uniform with some of those guys who got a head start uh, but he's also very excited to hit the ground running this summer uh, we'll be having him on the podcast next week um, he'll be a guest uh, on that, that one will drop Tuesday morning I think is typically when that will drop so I look forward to a pretty in-depth conversation with him he speaks a lot about coach Sider, a lot about that running back group and, and what he's doing down in virginia to get ready for for his eventual enrollment and i'm interested to hear that myself because i think and i think we talked about this last week is that if he were on campus it would be pretty interesting he's a heck of a football player and you you know you, you don't question the decision or anything like that but it's like man if he if he was here maybe noah kane's getting a leg up on him and you know he might uh, might regret not coming in i'm not sure if he's allowed to to do this i know a lot of guys aren't allowed to graduate early but it's uh one of those situations where you just wonder what he could do if he were on campus right now but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what the guys on campus do on saturday of course the blue white game saturday afternoon should be some some good uh, weather for that. And by the way, uh, I, th- I think I forgot to mention this at the, at the beginning of the episode. If you missed our episode earlier last week, we got the audio fixed very quickly. But the way iTunes works and things like that, you're going to have to delete it, re-download it if you want to listen to it. So check that out. Uh, of course, uh, Tyler and I will be at uh, Beaver Stadium on Saturday. We'll be out tailgating beforehand a little bit. And then we're going to go in and see the game. Uh, Tyler, put you on the spot. You have an MVP coming my way? Yeah. How, how about we go... I'm going to say it's it's Will Levis. You know, I just think he's going to get a lot of reps out there, do some good things. I think there's some guys that are easier. I'll go with Levis, though. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Jacena. I think I said him earlier in the in the uh, episode, but we will see early next week. We'll be back at you uh, late Monday, early Tuesday, whenever that gets out. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week.